Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. Uh, if you're a guest this morning, maybe this is your first time here, we just want to warmly welcome you to Shepherd's Gate. My name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here. Uh, we also want to welcome all of those that are joining us online. Maybe you're in your living rooms or maybe you're watching later on demand. Uh, but I also just received word that our camping group is actually toughing it out. Right now they are live streaming the service in the rain from someone's camper. So way to go camping group. We give them a hand this morning. Campers are tough people, aren't they? I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. Uh, but we're so glad to have you here. And if you are new or maybe haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, one of the things we love doing are what we call sermon series. And so it's just a series of messages. And specifically, certain times of the year, well, we'll go through books or letters that are in the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible. And so for the last several weeks, we're actually on week five. We're looking at, uh, at Peter's letter to some churches uh, that were in Asia Minor. And so he's writing this letter to a bunch of churches that were basically on the forefront. They were kind of launching churches, and they were under some persecution. They were under some challenges. And it's amazing to me in Scripture because most importantly, more than Peter writing these things, it's God that writes these things because God inspired Peter, is how relevant it is for our lives. And so today, believe it or not, we've made it all the way up to chapter 3. And so today we're going to be talking about living with honor. And check this out, we only have seven verses to get through. That's, these are the least amount of verses through this whole series. Isn't that awesome? Seven verses. And here's what's crazy. If you were here last week, I told you, last week and this week were going to be the two hardest weeks. So if you're a guest, come back. The next three weeks, they're like, we're going to talk about love, we're going to talk about honoring God, and we're going to talk about freedom or humility. So those are all easy things. But I'm telling you right now, today is going to be tough. Today there's going to be, just like last week, there's going to be some of you that are going to disagree with me. And I'm okay with that. And don't be afraid to Facebook me, message me, email me, text me, whatever the case may be. Uh, but the reason I love going through books or letters of the Bible is because I know this is God's word. And ultimately, it's not my words, it's God's word. And his word doesn't return void. And what he says is actually what's best for us. Not what society says, not the way things twist and manipulate and turn all around us. And even as you look at, at what they were going through in their time period, it's really honestly not too far off from what we're experiencing even in our day and age. So I'm excited to dig into this with you today. Uh, if you are a guest, just one last thing. I will be through those doors. I'll be greeting over there uh, after the service, and I'd love to say hi. Thank you for joining us today and answering any questions that you may have. Uh, but let's dig into our text for today. 1 Peter chapter 3. There's chair Bibles in front of you. If you don't mind, you want to grab one of the chair Bibles. If you're in the front row, we got some people in the front row. They're underneath the seats. Uh, if you're watching online and you have the chat open, you can click on the tab that says Bible, put in 1 Peter chapter 3. And all of the Bibles that you have in the seats here are ESV, which stands for English Standard Version. So those of you watching online, you might want to select ESV so you're reading the exact same words that we're reading here this morning. Now, I do want to, just for a moment, review where we have come from. Okay, because this is what's going to help us set up chapter 3, because I'm telling you right out of the gate, some people are going to get uncomfortable. This is what we talked about last week. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 13, he reminded us to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And so as we unpack that verse, as we looked, as he explained that, that means those that God has placed in authority over us. And so the theme was, is that we honor those in authority. 
It doesn't mean we have to agree with everything that those in authority say. So whether it's our local government, our state government, or our national government, we honor them by praying for them. We honor them by respecting them in the position that God has placed them in. Amen? Amen. You must think so because you all came back this week, all right? And then likewise, he says it in verse 18 that we are to be subject to our masters with all respect. Now, what that means for us in our day and age is the places in which we work. And those are our bosses. Those are the people that, that may be the owners of the company. We have a responsibility in how we act and how we retreat those that God has placed over us. And it's so difficult because as Americans, we don't like to think that anyone is over us, do we? We like our freedom. We like our independence. But yet, as followers of Jesus, it's what God has called us to do. It's to be salt and light in our communities and in our places of work, and in our neighborhoods, and that is how we spread the message of Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, you ready for 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1? Yeah. You guys all ready for this? You're looking at your Bibles. It says this, Likewise, who? Okay, any wives in here? <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt. Be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, and the word is capitalized because this means the word of God, they may be one without a, interesting, by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, some of you, I know, this verse makes you insanely uncomfortable. In fact, you wish that we didn't talk about this in church. This is why maybe you question the Bible, you question Christianity. And I can tell you that this is what is going on in our culture. People called social influencers are becoming more and more popular, especially with the younger generations. And so what's happening is, because of technology, because everyone has the ability to edit things, some of these influencers are actually taking snippets of sermons and snippets of preachers, and they're posting them on their social media pages and then what they're doing is and saying, this is what you've learned. This is what you've always been told your whole life in church. And this is why these preachers are wrong. This is why the word of God is wrong. This is how you've been manipulated your whole life. And you need to break free from that. You need to break free from your preacher. You need to break free from your pastor. You need to break free from your church. And it starts this crazy slippery rope or, or slope. And what I would say is it's because people are taking things out of context. And so when you read scripture, one of the most important things you have to do when you read scripture is understand the context in which you are reading it. What does it actually mean to be, at first it sounds terrible. And here's why, because our English language is not a very fun language. Did you know that? It's kind of a basic language. The Bible was written in two languages. It was written in Hebrew and it was written in Greek. All of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. All of the New Testament was written in Greek. They have so many more words to explain things. They have so many more definitions of things than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine in our English language. But what happens is people will read a passage of scripture like this. They'll only focus on these two words because a lot of you, you just stop there. Like husbands are like, yeah, give it to them, Tim. Wives said, no way I'm being subject to this bum, right? And so you're like, you're, you completely forget everything else that's below that and even what this actually truly means. And so a lot of people, when they talk about this, they instantly think of Ephesians because this isn't the only time that this word subject 
or respect or any of those things is found. It's found in Ephesians, it's found in Colossians, it's found in Titus. So it's all throughout the Bible. This isn't some isolated passage of scripture. And so if you flip over to Ephesians, this is what you find out in chapter 5, verse 1. It says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. All of us as followers of Jesus are called to follow Jesus' example. That he was born of a virgin, that he walked this earth, that he lived a sinless life, that ultimately God led him to the cross. He stretched out his arms. He breathed his last breath. He died as the sins of the world were placed upon his shoulders. And three days later, he came out of that tomb and he defeated sin, death, and the devil for us. And not only did he do all that incredible, uh, and did he do those things for us, but he set an example for us and that's why we are to be imitators. And if you go to verse five, or you go to chapter five, verse 21, he also says that we are to submit to what? So we submit to God and then we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You will never submit to anybody, whether it's an authority on this earth, it's somebody that's in a position of authority or in your workplace or even in your home, if we don't know how to submit to God first and know how to submit to him and him alone. Then we can now go into submitting to one another. And then it goes on to say this, wives, right? Oh, nasty. We don't like that word. To your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives. So where does this come from? And why does this word seem so strong to us? Well, it actually goes all the way back. This concept goes all the way back to Genesis. And Genesis is where we read the creation account. It's where we see man and woman being created by God. It's where God establishes biblical marriage. And so I want to take you there. In Genesis 2.18 And I read this passage at every wedding I do, okay? It says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a what? Fit for him. So I've now given you all three passages that drive women the craziest, okay? I'm just telling you that. These, because of the way that that the words are written, because of our English, our Western mind, and how we interpret this. Here's what's really cool. We know that God is a God of consistency. He's, a God, he's the same God uh, yesterday, today, and forever. It's his word. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't screw things up. He knows what he's doing. And it's, it's the way that all of these verses are connected. Here's what's really interesting, is that most people, when they hear this verse or they read this verse or any of these verses, they instantly think it's negative. When in fact, it's actually positive. It's a positive thing, and I'll tell you why. This word in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word for helper, or the root word for helper, is found 21 times in the Old Testament. And that word helper, more often than not, it's found in Deuteronomy, it's found in the Psalms, more often than not, refers to God. And it refers to God being our helper. And who wouldn't want that? So as you read the Psalms and it says that, you know, the Lord is my strength and he is my helper. It's a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. If you dig a little bit further into the word helper, what you actually find out is there's multiple definitions. Again, our human language, English language, is so restricted compared to the the beautiful biblical languages uh, of ancient text. And so helper actually means strength. It actually means you stand by and along someone and you are there as a strength. 
to be something in someone's life. So this isn't a negative, this is a positive, just like all of these things are. In fact, even Jesus loves and picks up on this word, helper. He just uses it in the Greek. And so there's a Greek word for helper because that's what the New Testament was written in. And so over and over again, he actually refers to the Holy Spirit as, guess what? As a helper. Now we believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and in our, and there's three and one, one and three, they are all equal. Amen. They are all equal. The Holy Spirit is not, uh, you know, less than Jesus. And Jesus is not less than God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all equal. And so what it is, it's our role in the way that we view the world and what it is that, that as Christians, God has called us to. He's calling us to submit to all sorts of things. And he doesn't just call wives to this. You're going to see husbands, you're going to see men in the room, you're going to see teenagers where this all plays out as we continue in our text. But I want to show you the other text that we read in Genesis as well. Because we read this at every wedding where it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast, or some translations it says cling. Isn't that cool? We're so needy, we cling, right? We cling to our wives, and they shall become. Now when people look at this verse, they get this confused as well, because they think it's this osmosis process that happens with husbands and wives. And I can tell you this, that when you get married, you do not lose your individuality, do you? No, and so the way that I love to describe this, especially to pre-marriage couples, is your two circles don't all of a sudden become one circle. Your two circles, what God does in the covenant of marriage is he draws a circle around the two of your circles. You're still a unique individual. You still have your hopes and dreams. You still have the giftings that God has called you into and what his purpose is for your life here on this earth. That's what it's talking about. And oftentimes people will say, well, this must mean the physical union of a husband and wife. But that's only one-third of it. When we talk about becoming one flesh, yes, there is the, phys the physical union of a husband and wife coming up, but there's also the emotional connection that takes place, that God designed and gave us. And there is also, even most importantly, is the spiritual connection that takes place between a husband and a wife. And so these passages in Genesis, isn't it interesting that Paul repeats them in his letter? Jesus actually repeats the same passage. He validates this scripture. He validates biblical marriage in the Gospels. And then he actually adds to it. And he says, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Because there is a spiritual component that goes into this. Marriage is so much more than we sometimes, I think, realize. And trust me, the society that we live in and the way that we re redefine marriage or the way that they just say you can come in and out of marriage is based on your feelings, they completely negate what it is that God has done in that union. See, one of my favorite things is, is to be able to be part of couples' wedding ceremonies. And I've seen, I've literally seen as the Holy Spirit comes on couples when they turn and they face, they face each other and they say their vows to one another. We do something called the prayer of blessing where I get to put my hand upon their hands and, they get, and we get to pray a special prayer of blessing. And after that prayer of blessing where I get to pronounce, it's one of, the, one of the greatest joys that I get of being a pastor that you now are husband and wife and you can just see the excitement in their eyes. 
You can just see how glad they are and they know that God is there, that we're asking God to be there with them, to bless them in that moment. Just as he was there the moment you got married. Did you know that? Whether you've been married for five seconds or you've been married for 500 years, God was there. And it's his covenant. It's his circle that is around you. So here, let's make sure we got this right. God's plan for marriage starts with the right relationship with him. You have to have two people who believe in God, who realize what it is that Jesus has Christ has done for them. The two become together and God is the center of that marriage. Biblical marriage is also, as I've already said, it is a covenant between a husband and a wife. It is a covenant between a husband and a wife, but we live in a day and time when people like to pretend or play that they're married when they're not. And I can tell you this, and even if I don't know you, I can tell you this because God loves you and he wants you to hear this today, whether you're in person or online. If you are living with somebody and you're not married to them, that is not God's plan for your life. I don't care what society tells you. Listen to what it is that God tells you. God has a better way. God has a better plan for you. If you are entering into the physical aspect of marriage, not only have you entered into the physical, you've already, already entered into the emotional and the spiritual aspect of marriage. You need to get married or you need to separate. It's not what God plans for you. God has something better for you than that and he is the one that instituted marriage on this earth. And here's what's really good for you to know this morning. God intended marriage to be a blessing not a curse. And only one person is saying amen, right? (laughs) Married people in the room, your marriage is a blessing from the Lord. And I get it, it's not easy, is it? It is tough to live with another human being. You, my wife wasn't at the nine. I feel like it's so much easier when she's not here. <laughs> In this life, I mean, you know, we have troubles. We have hardships. It's working together. It's sorting through those things that, that we so easily get tangled up in sometimes. And what's difficult is when any of these things are broken. When those that, that don't understand it, and maybe this morning the Holy Spirit would convict your heart and say, hey, maybe, maybe we need to rethink this. Do you know every couple that I meet with that, that's cohabitating and, and, and living together before marriage, I offer the same exact thing. I said, I'll marry you right now. All you need is a, a marriage license, a minister, and two witnesses. We'll get Jan and Roy. Jan will be your flower girl. Roy will be your ring bearer. <laughs> Boom! We can make this happen. Like, if you want to continue in this, let's just do it now. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because we want God's best for you. And when you're in that covenant and you're asking God to bless your relationship but you don't want to follow his rules or his commands, you're, you're preventing him from having his hand of blessing upon you. Amen. And again, I love you too much to tell you anything different. And I've done student ministry long enough in talking with our students and seeing the way in which they interact and the world in which they are now functioning in with all of the lies and all of the rumors that if you do it according to God's plan, I'm telling you, it's the best way. 
And it's not that he doesn't forgive you. It's not that he can't forgive you of any sin that you have committed in the past. But what is it that you can do from this day forward to walk the path that he has for you? See, this last couple of weeks have been pretty stressful on my family. As we found out, someone close to us decided that they wanted to break their marriage covenant. Because they let something into their marriage that they shouldn't have let in. One of the partners decided that he wasn't getting fulfilled in his marriage and so he should go and maybe find another way to be fulfilled. And the timing of this, because God knew that we were gonna be talking about 1 Peter chapter three today, right? We plan these things so out far in advance and the fact that we would be dealing with this with somebody that is so close and dear to us. Because when I first found out, I wanted to kill my friend. I did. I was so angry. You have this beautiful wife, you have this beautiful family. What the heck are you thinking? And I'm so thankful that he is repentant, that he realizes and he has hit rock bottom and now it's like wanting to figure out how to put the steps in place and to come around him and support him and her and, and their family and figure out, God, okay, what are the steps now? Is this marriage salvageable? God, can you still work a miracle in their lives? And what is it that led to this road? Because I can tell you this, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, so often you can just map it out every single time. It starts with watching inappropriate things. It always somehow starts with that, and it starts in the emotional category, and then all of a sudden, someone gives someone attention, and you begin to have what's called this emotional affair, and then pretty soon, you start meeting up with somebody, and then the meetup becomes this, and then it becomes this, and then all of a sudden, you get so far down the road, and there's so many lies, you can't even keep the lie straight, and I can tell you this, each and every time, it comes out. Each and every time, it's revealed, and it's heartbreaking. Because that's what the devil is about. The devil wants to kill and destroy you. Did you know that? And he wants to kill and destroy your marriage. He wants to kill and destroy families. And he loves wrecking havoc. And so if you're here today, maybe this is the warning. Maybe God knew that you were going to be here. And maybe this is your first time here. I don't know. And you're thinking, you're nuts. That's fine. I know I'm nuts. Or you're watching online. But maybe it's because you needed to hear this. And you now are in the beginning stages of flirting with something that you know you shouldn't be flirting with. And you need to cut the communication off. People think I'm crazy, I'll tell you why. We have a policy here at Shepherd's Gate, we never let a man and a woman alone, ever. Nobody on staff is ever allowed to be alone with the opposite sex. And people go, man, you are so old school, you are so traditional. No, because I deal with enough of this crap to know where this stuff starts. And so if there's ever a man and a woman in the building in this 55,000 square foot facility that are alone, somebody has to leave. A man and a woman are never on staff allowed in a car alone. That's just what we've said. We want to make sure that we don't put anybody in a compromising situation. We don't ever send a man and a woman on a conference alone. We never send them on a plane. We never do any of those things alone. And sometimes the staff, I know it gets frustrating because you're like, oh shoot, well I still have more work to do. Well I guess you're going to have to pack up and go work across the street. You're going to have to go home and work. What are we doing, folks? What are we doing to guard our hearts? What are we doing to make sure that we are keeping our eyes uh, affixed on the spouse that God has given us and protecting that covenant of marriage that God has sealed with his presence and his power? Again, if that's you and you started down that slippery slope, stop. Whatever it is, put an end to it and put an end to it now. Maybe you're here this morning and you have some things that, that you're hiding. 
And maybe you're in the middle or the end of this and you know that there's some things going on in your life that aren't right. And so you come to church, you put on a happy face or maybe you watch the service with your spouse on the couch, but you know you're involved in things that you shouldn't be involved in. Can I tell you this? Stop. Stop. Confess. Get it out now. You are only going to make it worse when it actually gets revealed. And, and, I, and I get that. I know this isn't easy to hear. I know this is tough. I know that, you know, it, it, it's just, but it has to be said. It has to be said. We have to stand for truth. We have to stand for biblical truth and understanding who our God is and the attacks that are coming around from all sides. Amen? Now, it's interesting, right? Because I haven't even gotten past verse 2. That's how much these two words. And, what's, and if, it's so crazy because if you actually, if I unbolded these and you just look at the rest of this, the whole kind of context of this is he's talking to wives who are married to men who are not believers. Again, the church is just launching. So there certainly would have been couples where one came to faith and the other one didn't. And what is he saying? Hey, I know it's tough. I know you're a believer and you desperately want your spouse to be a believer. And so this is what God says, that you should do it without a word. That's tough. When I was talking to Sharon Boyd, she's our counselor here at Shepherd's Gate. She does all of our pre-marriage counseling. And she does all of our marriage in crisis counseling, just so you know. And the reason is, is I am a terrible counselor. Okay, you guys need to know that. Whenever anyone wants to come in and receive counsel from me, I always say the same thing. I will probably be more harm than good to you and your marriage. It's not my gift. You want someone that is a trained counselor. She has degrees. She has specializations in marriage. And I said, Sharon, as you read these verses, all the, all the places that you've been, all the things that you've read, I mean, you know the scriptures inside and out when it comes to marriage. What is it that I should say to the women of our church? And she said, this is one of the most important things. This is one of the things that women struggle with the most. Is women so often go into a marriage or they're in a marriage thinking that they're going to change their husband. And you won't find that anywhere in scripture. God never called wives to change their husbands. She said, I can't tell you how many times I'll be with a pre-marriage couple and then I'll have to meet with the, with the woman on her own and say, listen, he is not a project. You're not marrying him to fix him. Sure, you want to change his shoes or his shirt because he doesn't match. That's one thing, but you are not going to change him. The Holy Spirit is responsible for changing your husband's heart and life. And he says it right here. I was like, man, that's so good because that's what it says. He even goes on to say, look at this. Do not let your adorning be external. He's talking to wives. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, the way in which you conduct yourself internally with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. You can't have a quiet spirit if you're always telling him what to do. You can't have a quiet spirit if you're always correcting him, which is in God's sight precious. And I know it's tough. I know if you're married to somebody and you so want, you can see the next step that they can take and you're like, man, I want them to take this step. I really want, and if I just tell them they're gonna take it, no, they're not. No, they're not. You pray for them. 
You ask God to give you wisdom and guidance. You do this by living out the life in which he has called you. Whether your husband is a believer, an unbeliever, he's a believer, maybe he's a baby Christian, maybe he's been a baby Christian for a very long time and you want him to take that next step, keep living out the life that God has called you in that covenant, in that relationship. Does that make sense? Listen to this, next two verses. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now I know again, right? Because this is what can happen. Husbands, you can look at this and go, I didn't hear anything you said other than he got to be called Lord. (laughs) Can I now be called Lord at my home? No! No, you can't. If you love your wife as, life, as, as Christ loves the church and she's so compelled to call you Lord and that's on her own doing, that's fine. No one should ever be forced into doing anything that, that would be against what it is that God actually instructs us to do in Scripture. In fact, if you go back in the Old Testament and you read about Abraham and Sarah, they had a very tumultuous marriage. I mean, we don't even have time this morning to get into it. All of the facets, they both in the ways that they sinned individually, the ways that they sinned against each other, the ways that they broke their marriage. I mean, it's just weird, crazy stuff. And here he is, he's pointing to it, saying, but yet the Holy Spirit, God's grace and mercy, still weaved God's perfect plan in their hearts and in their lives. So that's what he's saying here. And it's so interesting, and ladies, I know, because for six verses, it's directed at you, and now we're gonna get to verse seven, and praise be to God, it's directed toward the men, amen? Amen. All right, so here's the likewise. Likewise, verse seven, who? All right, husbands, listen up. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the what? Oh, some of you are like, weaker? I'm not saying that word. (laughs) Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Again. Another verse that so can easily be, be uh, misconstrued or taken out of context. And so you don't look at anything else, right? A sinful husband can say, oh, yep, you're the weaker vessel. You should obey me and do whatever I say. And a wife can say, look at this and not read anything else and say, nope, I'm the weaker vessel. I'm not the weaker vessel. I'm just as smart and I'm just as competent as you are. So even though this is the ESV, because that's the chair Bibles here at church, let me read this to you in the Amplified Bible version because this is what's going to help us understand what he is actually saying here. This is what it says in the Amplified Bible. In the same way, husbands, live with your wives in a what? And we're going to unpack this. With great gentleness and tact and with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship. As with someone, what does it say? Since she is a woman, show her and as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. Now I want you to think about this. He's writing to men at a time when women didn't have rights. They couldn't own property, they couldn't own land, they couldn't vote. I mean, back then, I mean, women were definitely oppressed. And thanks be to God that we live in a day and age when women's rights are finally catching up and finally to where they should be in view of what Scripture says and who God says we are in His image and the way that He has created us. You have to live with your wife in an understanding way. 
That means you spend time with her. That means you learn her personality. That means you learn how she thinks, that you learn how you, that, that she feels, that you adapt to the way in which God has created her. And I know that that is not easy, but that is what he's called us to do. And really, this whole thing about, the, about that passage, it's, it's all it means is the physically weaker. That's all it means. It doesn't mean anything else. It has nothing to do with an emotional intelligence or our intellect or anything. In fact, if you look across the board, what's taking place even in our nation, do you know more women now are getting bachelor's degrees than men? Did you know that? That more women are getting master's degree than men in our society. Do you know that there are more women on this planet and in our country than there are men? Did you know that? Women, if you wanted to, you could take over, okay? <laughs> By sheer number, okay? All he is saying is, guys, your bone structure is a little bit bigger. Typically, usually, right? Guys are just physically built differently. And don't use that to be a bully. Don't use your physical, the way that God has created you, because he created us male and female. He created, do not use that as a way to try to control your wife. Instead, show her honor and respect, because she is a fellow heir of the grace of God. She is an eternal being. We are all eternal beings. God is not a respecter of persons. At the end of the day, we will all stand before Almighty God and we will give an account of our lives. Amen. Men, we will give an account in the way that we led our marriages, in the way that we led our families, in the way that we led our businesses. Women, you will give an account in the way that you lived your life, in the way that you led your marriage, in the way that you raised your kids and your home, in the way that you are in your places of work. We all will be laid bare before our God, the creator. All of us. That's why it's important that we also look at this in Ephesians, since I read it for the wives. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Man, that's tough, isn't it? To love my wife to the extent that Jesus went to the cross? I mean, that's some sacrificial love. To sacrifice for my wife, to put her interest above my own, to listen to her concerns, to want her to get better in this world, to make investments in her. Man, God, help us to do that. In the same way, husbands, you should love your wife as your own body. And he who loves his wife loves himself. It's a challenge for us, men. It's a challenge for our sons to raise godly, biblical men. Just as those of you with daughters, you're trying to raise godly, biblical daughters on this earth. That's why this is so important. So important we understand the truth. It's so important we understand scripture. It's so important that we handle it correctly. So let me say it again. Men and women, you're called by God to live in relationship with him. All of us. We want everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is no greater relationship on this planet than being in right relationship with the Lord. But men and women, they're not just called, they're commanded to live in marriage relationships with mutual love, honor, and respect. Maybe there's some things that we need to look at today. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart today. 
Maybe this is the wake-up call to get back on track, to confess, to apologize, to reconcile because things aren't maybe going well at home and they're not what they should be at home. And then again, as he told us, men and women ultimately receive the same eternal inheritance through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen? Amen. As we close today, I do want to mention Sharon again because I realize with a topic like this and just the seriousness of this and maybe even the heaviness of this that there may be some of you that you need to take this step and you need to reach out to Sharon that completely understands confidentiality. She doesn't go and tell me who she's meeting with. I don't need to know that if you don't want me to know that. She is an expert in her field. And if your marriage is in crisis, even if the other spouse is in agreement with this and you just need somebody else to talk to, please email her, call the church office, they'll put you into her voicemail. Do not go through this alone anymore. Realize that we have the support and if she can't help you, she'll find other marriage counselors in our area that we're partnered with that'll walk you through this because we don't want to see any more marriages fall apart or get blown up. We don't want to see the devil do what he continues to do and destroy what it is that God has created. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? And if you're watching online, and I get it, this is weird for you guys, but can you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning online as well? And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you happen to be seated next to your spouse or significant other, would you just go ahead and just gently grab their hand? Heavenly Father, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we know that you know every relationship in this room, you know every relationship that is watching online. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that, that it does, it cuts to the heart, that it convicts us, that it reminds us that, that maybe we are going down a road or a path that you don't want us on. God, maybe words have been said, maybe actions have been taken, maybe it's been really hard. God, in this moment, in this time, in this space, we invite your Holy Spirit, our helper and our guide, to come into our relationships, to come into our marriages, to restore what has been broken, to heal what's been fractured. God, to forgive us of the things that we've said and the things that we've done. God, we ask for your hand just as your hand was of blessing was upon us when we were pronounced husband and wife, God, we pray that your hand of blessing would continue to be upon us all the days of our lives here on this earth. God, put a hedge of protection around every marriage, every relationship, we pray. God, we also pray for our brothers and sisters whose marriages have come to an end. They're still struggling and grappling with that reality. God, remind them once again how much they are loved by you and how much this church loves them and we will walk that journey with them. God, we pray for those who are looking for a spouse. They have these feelings that they believe are from you and, 
And so God, they're waiting patiently for you and sometimes it can get tiring in that. And so God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to lead and guide them because we know at the right time, God, you will allow them to cross paths with the person that you have picked for them. I pray for those that have lost their spouses. So often just the feeling of loneliness that comes over them. And I pray that you would flood them with memories that they had with their spouse, the good times. God, continue to to reassure them that you are watching over them and that you're going to lead and guide them. And finally this morning, God, I pray for this next generation coming up. The lies that that are being fed. Even the way now that churches and preachers and the Bible is being attacked. God, I pray for a double, triple, quadruple hedge of protection around their minds and their hearts. That you would post your angels around them each and every day. God, that they would know your plan for their life. So God, once again, we commit our kids and our grandkids and their kids and their kids. Even as we sing in that second song today in our worship service. God, for the generations to come, even as we've been past the holy gospel from those in the churches that Peter wrote this letter to, God, may we be faithful in passing on your plan for our lives and your plan for marriage to the next generation. God, we ask once again for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, and your blessing upon our lives now and forever. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray.